warn everyone right now, if you're not into the solo kind of mind jam, stream of consciousness, thinking out loud, talking out loud podcast sessions, then uh, you're going to want to skip this one. Uh, but if you are into that sort of thing, then stick around and, uh, and walk this, uh, take a walk with me, I guess. Well, I'm not really walking anywhere, so, but uh, take a listen. I got uh, got the window open, I'm smoking a cigar, just ate an edible. There'll probably be some background noise, uh, probably hear some car horns honking in the background and stuff like that, but uh, shouldn't be too big of an issue. I'm going to keep it, uh, keep it real, almost like you're here with me, you know, and we're just kind of hanging out. Um, but I wanted to talk about some stuff uh, today, some things that were kind of going through my mind, some things that I kind of touched on on some other podcasts uh, that I did recently, um, and just talk about those those kind of things. So, one of the things is, I posted, um, I posted something on social media, uh, I posted something on Facebook to be specific, um, and it was, uh, it was a video from Milo Yiannopoulos, and look, I'm not, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous how many times we have to kind of like classify ourselves for people, you know. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not like a alt right supporter. Now, I'm not. No, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. But you know, it's like, listen, I'm a fucking human being, okay, and I uh, have a pretty good gauge of what I think is right and wrong, and I have a pretty good perception on on stuff. I pick from all over the place. You know, if Milo gets something right, he gets something right. Um, if somebody, if 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 somebody on the left is is running, you know, runs some kind of uh, segment or or does a video, makes a video. I can't really think of any examples right now. I don't know, you know, but if they if they happen to, then I would I would say what they were doing is correct as well. You know, I I'm not, I don't stick to my side and only reinforce my my beliefs. I, I don't live in a bubble and only, you know, suck my own dick, which I think a lot of people do, you know, a lot like, and I think it's natural. It's really, really natural to do that. I should also warn you, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, there, there'll be some longer kind of breaks in between just cause I am smoking this fine cigar that my neighbor Wally brought down to me, who is a cigar aficionado. It's a Maduro. Maduro cigar, which is a fine, lovely cigar. Um, but my point is that, you know, it, it, it can be fun from time to time. And I think I talked about this with Ed Liu on, on, on my Trumpadelic milkshake episode. It can be fun sometimes to kind of get in and battle, you know, like you just kind of throw down war of ideas. And that's cool. That's totally cool because we should be doing that. We should be throwing down with a battle of ideas. But with that battle of ideas, might I add that you're not really accomplishing anything if you're attacking the other person. Or if you have preconceived notions about the individual before, uh, you know, coming into the situation. So I just want to talk about what, what I posted. So I posted something. It was a, uh, a white, it says white liberal woman embarrassingly walks away after being verbally destroyed by black man. Now, you know, I mean, that's, a, of course, like a hostile kind of provocative title, but this is Milo we're talking about, you know, and he's he's that way. 
But I saw the video and I and I saw what was going on. And I thought it was pretty ironic, you know. You have this woman out here talking about, um, you, you know, trying to stand up, you know, claiming that they stand up for people in the black community and and that they they want to see change and this sort of thing. And yet, you know, there's a young black man basically saying, like, look, we gotta we gotta admit that the statistics show that it's more likely that. Black people, there's the, the 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 problem with crime is that there's a lot of black on black crime. There's a lot of gang related cl- crime. The chances of me being killed by a black man is significantly higher. This is what this black man says, and you know I I like the I like I like the fact that he's saying it because he's kind of able to speak for as a representative of his own you know kind of kind of community. Even though we are all in this together, it all affects us together. And so what I posted was, I said, reform has to come from within. There's nothing more powerful than people who speak from a place of absolute objective truth about issues involving their particular groups. Whether this is people on the left, like Dave Rubin calling out progressives, or Muslims, like Majid Nawaz, preaching for reform in Islam, or this guy right here. It's easy to play teams and to get lost in the game of identity politics, but by doing that, you perpetuate the same bullshit and you don't contribute to making any real change. You can come up with real you can't come up with real lasting solutions if you don't address the actual root causes of the problems. So I applaud anybody who is a free thinker, who has the vision to see the bigger picture, who doesn't fall prey to trendy groupthink and knee-jerk reactions. And I applaud anyone who engages in intelligent rebuttals and not emotional dismissals. Just think about how much progress we can make as a species if more people held their groups accountable and we worked together to address the real causes, not just treat the symptoms. And so I got, you know, I got some 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 people commenting on that and whatnot. And, you know, but my my message is one of unity, not division. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not preaching, you know, and, and I think that the it, it tends to get misconstrued maybe because the video was from Milo or the event was like a, you know, these are anti-Trump protesters and, the and you know, this black guy is, is talking to them. You know, it didn't have anything to do with that. All it had to do with was this guy was, as a black man, was willing to speak truth, was willing to admit that there's problems and, and speak, you know, to those problems. You know, there's the there's but there's a reason why. That's the that's the bigger picture here. You know, yes, there is crime. Yes, there is poverty. Yes, inner cities. You know, there are there is problem. You know, here in New York City, I live in Lower Manhattan. I live in, in next to Project Buildings. I see what goes on. You know, I I I've known people who who are you know are in this system, and and this is a system that has been created from Democrats. You know, Lyndon Lyndon B. Johnson and his great society. You know, this is a problem that has been perpetuated by a racist system that keeps people down, doesn't support them and give them uh, true freedom and a true environment that would be conducive to allowing for the maximum amount of prosperity, peace, freedom, openness and happiness to to take place within those communities. And you know, this is this is the pro- this is the major problem that we have in our world today.
We don't live in a world of communities. And we might like to think that we do, but we, we really don't. You know, and and I got to say, as a former, you know, I, I just, it, it's difficult for me. I mean, I, I you know, I, 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 I am somebody that has great compassion and love and empathy for people, for humanity and for, for everybody. And so I, I don't I don't want to play a part of this game of sm- of smacking down and smashing arguments and rubbing it in people's faces. Although I did admit, you know, it is kind of fun to do that sometimes and engage in that battle. But I think that if we let the ideas speak for themselves, that they can the the ideas can win the day. And this is why I really applaud what Dave Rubin is doing and and why I mentioned him in this post is because he's a guy who's a liberal. He's a gay married uh you know guy guy living in California he's uh, identifies himself as being a liberal but he's willing to he's enough of a free thinker that he's willing to stand up and speak out against abuses that that are happening and when the name of liberalism gets tarnished he's willing to call out you know these progressive to which he refers to as regressives, people that want to ban books, ban speeches, you know, the, these sorts of people, the anti-fa people that are being violent. You know, that's not the answer. You don't solve, uh, you don't solve aggression with aggression. You know, the, the hostility, but I, I, you know, once again, it really is this, this tribal nature of ours to say, you know, to get uh, emotional and defend, you know, for what we think and to stand up for what we think is right. And uh, I tweeted at Shane Moss, the comedian, earlier because I, I had a question about something that he said that was really fascinating. He was talking about a level of openness that happens. You know, when you take psychedelics, that that you, you be there is this level of openness. But I, I think that I think that there's something even in us that that happens. Yes, psychedelics can kind of, you know, use like a crowbar, kind of un unhinge that that rusty you know metal door shut. You know, it could you could pop that open. It it is kind of like a big um, uh, a big a big uh, sledgehammer to to all the preconceived notions and the cultural. Uh, conditioning that you you've had thrust upon you it will do that but there has to be something inside of you that is open enough to even accept that as an idea there has to be something inside of you that's even open enough to accept you know trying some one of these substances and and uh, a point that I made recently was that I'm not uh, I'm not saying that if you take psychedelics everything's going to be magically okay I'm not saying that psychedelics is the answer to everything. All I'm saying is that most people, after they take psychedelics, have a feeling of one, of love, of peace, of happiness, of connectedness, of increased empathy, increased openness, increased creativity, increased 
uh, levels of, of harmony and peace. You feel like everything is alive, everything is connected, that we are all one, that there's really nothing that separates us. There were all these biological, you know, kind of hairy meat sacks, but we have this great brain and this great mind that's able to ponder the, the infinite wisdom of all eternity and all of the cosmos, and we're able to kind of turn things into into art we're able to think things and then bring them into this world you know we're able to do these amazing things and psychedelics really just <clears throat> gives you that perspective it just enhances the perspective and i and i mentioned this it's like a tool you know you just like you could use a tool like a microscope to look at cells of the human body you can use a telescope to look at the stars in, in space and the moon, you can use psychedelics as a tool to go inward, to journey inward into the human psyche and to open up and to, and to, and to investigate this mysterious predicament that we're in. Uh, what is this? What, what, what is this? Nobody knows. That is the mystery. This, the, this is the ultimate question, right? The ineffable. And so having a relationship with that realm of thinking, with that experience, creating this pathway to direct experience with the divine gives you gives you an open perspective in all areas of life. And now... I'll just say there's nothing wrong with people who choose not to engage in this particular avenue of of discovery or this particular or use this particular tool. But there is a problem that pe with people who demonize it. And and you know my uh you know people that demonize it and not just demonize it but people that want to m make laws to keep it uh, illegal and people that want to spread lies and, and propaganda against it. And that's where the real problem lies, is that fear, you know, that level of fear, this kind of mentality of, well, I don't, I don't just want people taking drugs and, you know, not working and not being productive and all this kind of stuff. And so I think that there needs to be some kind of mutual understanding and level of respect that comes along with these, with, 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 with kind of hot-button issues like this. Because... You know, the, the, the open kind of liberal way of thinking, the creative, artsy way of thinking, you know, we need people like that in our, in our society even more and more. But, you know, we do also need people who are conservative, who kind of, you know, do, do uh, fall into that line of, of thinking, that kind of risk aversion and, 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 th and that sort of... Um, and that sort of thing, but it's the it's having mutual respect, and I think this is this is something that be, is so lost in our civilization today, or at least here where 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 we live in the West and in, in America. There's this there's this kind of um, I don't know how to describe it, like game show kind of smackdown mentality. Of, of, of team playing and identity politics and emotional knee-jerk reactions. And we see it on both sides. And this is something that I've been saying and, and my uh, co-host uh, Dave, Dave Smith on Part of the Problem has been saying. 
our fellow host, the host of the show. Um, this is what we've been saying is that, you know, the, the extreme left and the extreme right are one and the same. And, you know, the extreme left, the extreme right created the extreme left and the extreme left created the extreme right. You know, it's, it's, it's you can't have one without the other. And I, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's exactly like what happens and what do you have in the plot of the movie, the Dark Knight, Batman movie, fantastic movie. But if you look at like the, the, the meaning of the film, the meaning is about Batman. He's this highly advanced uh, technical you know, arsenal of weapons, and he's this he's this guy that goes out into the world, says that he's going to fight for truth and justice. Okay, great. That's that's those, those are good intentions. But when you ultimately put that force in the world, there is its opposite will come out. Its mirror will will be formed, and his mirror is the Joker. The more escal, the more that like he creates this kind of escalation of of you know, vigilante, do-gooding activities, the more escalation on the opposite side will occur and a villain will rise to to be the perfect opponent to, to the good. And this is that, that dual, dualistic nature that we kind of keep playing into. But it's, um, you know, this is, this is something that that I feel if we can correct this kind of way of behaving that we will be able to solve problems rather than bickering on who's right and who's wrong we'll actually be able to come up work together to form solutions and you know i think this only really happens when you have strong communities of people working together voluntarily for a like-minded cause. You know, you, you, you can't have this kind of massive monolithic society that we live in, this, this disconnected, disengaged um, empire. It's too big. And there's too many people. There's too there's there's too much of a diversity of people. I mean, the, the, like you know, this is not the best way to organize society. And uh, you know, and, and I think we can see that from history. You know, we always learn about history in terms of like empires and 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 kings and queens and all that kind of stuff. That's not I mean, that's not all of history. You know, that's the that's the history that we learn. But what what always happens to these empires? They fall. They all fall. Because every like the lesson from this 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 to take away from is that it's impossible to have a kingdom and rule over uh, you know, millions of people and, and make sure that everybody's needs and wants and everything is serviced. It's impossible. You can't have it happen. So the new global ethos, the new global civilization, the new way that society needs to be rearranged is not to go back to the primitive ways of doing things, but to 
copy the model that they used in order to live in harmony and in peace and in local decentralized communities of people that know each other and care about each other and love each other. That's the solution. The solution is not to have a centralized authority dictating what the rules are and trying to fit everybody in, fit everybody's little meat body into this machine grinder and grind everybody into the meat grinder. You know, that's 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 galactic empire shit. That's Star Wars, you know, shit. That's 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 craziness. That's empire building. That's empire falling stuff. So, you know, we talk about these societies of the past, like they're primitive, oh, hunter-gatherers, and they all died at age 30, and, you know, what the hell did they know? They had diseases, and, man, they didn't even have iPhones and stuff like that. Yeah, but you know what? They had each other, and they had, and more important than that, they had a connection. They, they had a deep connection. They had something that I think is another major, majorly important thing. They didn't have this pretend spirituality. They didn't have this fake religiousness. They didn't have institutions that live in fucking gold kingdoms, the Vatican, the Pope, you know, that, are, that have, have all these scandals of child molestation and all this bullshit. They didn't have these empires of gold that... That, that, you know, like, kind of asked people to come and pay your worship on a Sunday, you know. And don't forget to, to give us money. And don't forget that if, you know, you got to be a good little boy and girl, otherwise you're going to go to a fiery hell for all eternity. And the same thing with all the other kind of institutionalized religions of that, of that way. I mean, this is the real crime. The real crime is the buying and selling back to to us. So there's the taking away of what is natural for human beings to thrive and live. Taking that away from us and selling it back to us in this cookie-cutter generic form of, uh, of mass production and consumption. As to, to view us as, as if we were only producers and consumers and nothing more and nothing less. That our job is simply to just be born, work, and, you know, die. That if we're not producing or consuming, that we're worthless. You know, that, that's, that's craziness. You know, we're something that is so much more than this material world that, that has been created for us to live in. You know, so when we talk about primitive... And civilized you know what mentality is more primitive than the subjugation oppression enslavement of of the minds and the souls and the bodies of millions and millions of people of humanity for tens of thousands of years is it tens of thousands of years don't quote me on that when was the i don't know since the since the advent of agriculture let's just say that Many things have 
man, I don't know how tangenty this is going to be, but just ride with me, okay? Ride with me on this. You know, there's there's been many studies that show that agriculture is actually it will causes human beings to be sick. What, what causes a lot of illnesses in, in, in inflammation. I just read an article the other day that one of the reasons why you know, Tom Brady credits one of the reasons of his uh, success for the Super Bowl and, and to be able to stay in the kind of shape and to win the way that he has and stay injury-free at 39 years old is because he's, he's, he's dumped sugar from his diet. He got rid of uh, sugar and grains from his diet. Joe Rogan recently said this on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. He's uh, no sugar, no flour, you know. I'm, I'm actually starting to do this myself, and I see great benefit. I know what's going on here, you know. When you, you know, agriculture is, was invented for the purposes of slavery. The, the, the advent of agriculture was to make sure that, you know, the, whatever the dominant uh, ruling, the, the, a bunch of people, I don't know how it went down or whatever, I'm reading this book right now, Society Against the State, and I think they, they don't really even know for sure the how this all started. But somewhere along the way, somebody basically got the idea to say, look, if we want if we want to uh, live a life of luxury, we, we should have other people work for us. Well, how will we get other people to work for us? Okay, well, we'll start these societies where instead of being migratory and nomadic, we'll be sedentary. When we're sedentary, then we're able to control the food population. If we control the food population and then we keep people here, then we're able to rule over them. And we don't have to be like bandits, you know, robbing people on the road. We could just actually stay here and, and, and keep robbing people continuously through tax and you know all this sort of stuff I mean why why do you think the government subsidizes agriculture you know why do you why, why do you think there's all these issues with like poisoning food supply and poisoning the water supply and you know lead in the water and all this kind of stuff I mean it, it's it's it it all plays into this idea of trying to keep humanity predictable and and you know to, to, to keep us uh, dependent upon uh, others to to provide some kind of security or protection or or some kind of knowing for us, you know. I mean, look, you make psychedelics illegal, and you know you have uh, instead you of its place you put religion and government to lead the way. Religion to tell you you know what to fear and and things like that, and government is a, is a religion too. So in many ways, it's 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 its same thing and you know i i think that the problem is mu- is much more than just uh just like a state authority you know it's also this this predatory nature of religions and corporations and whatnot and things like that 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 you know that prey on people and that offer people some kind of sense of hope or some kind of belief system when really the the only belief system that we really should be that we that, that we need is a belief in in the direct experience of 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 things that we encounter the, the 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 living in the world not living opposed to the world and um you know i started off this podcast talking about just kind of the tribalistic nature and the identity politics and the team aspects and it's like look i think i have a solution to all this stuff okay why don't all the people that believe a certain way get together with all the people that believe uh, uh, that that same way and let's just live together you know what is this craziness 
that we have to be forced to all live under the same roof. You know, that we have to be forced to play under the same. You know, it's a genius kind of scheme that we have that's going on. It's it's this scheme of divisiveness. You know, it's like if we're all fighting each other, then then the focus of and the attention of the real issue, the real people that are making away with all the winnings and all the and all the 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 pleasures of life are the people that are instigating all of this divisiveness. The people that are at the top, the people that are they're reaping the rewards are the people that are the ones that, you know, that are telling us that we must believe in them in order for them to lead the way, to lead us to some greater thing. And societies of the past, you know, they didn't have this. You know, in this book, Society Against the State, they're talking about these hunter-gatherer tribes that lived in market economies. But there was no, there's no authority you know, they, there was a chief, but the chief did not have authority. The chief was merely just a guy uh, or or a woman who kept kind of an, an order to the to the society. Maybe somebody that told stories, somebody that listened, somebody that carried the the legacy and the the heritage of the ancestors with them. Somebody that could be looked to 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 be a mediator. You know, to to be that sort of thing, but. If the chief ever, you know, overstepped his boundaries, the people of that of that tribe would would put him in his place and and either ostracize him from the community, or or or, or you know just in, install a new chief or, or whatever. But but they these people they lived with a deep deep knowledge and a deep understanding of their environment. They 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 lived in a deeply spiritual world, and and that is the point that I was trying to make. It's it's not this fake spiritual world. It's not this consumer-bought kind of materialistic substitute that we get today. Everything that we have today is a substitute for the real thing. You know, living in this city that I live in in New York and just, you know, the the environment and the culture and the people that, that, that it breeds is against the grain of the natural way that we should be living as, as human beings. And that's why we see things like depression and anxiety and stress and heart disease and cancer and all this kind of stuff. It's like we're being pressurized. You know, it's like we're in a big pressure vacuum because we're living against our natural ways. And... You know, so these, you know, and Joseph Campbell talks about this, about uh, hunter-gatherer tribes and, and, and these kinds of societies living in the myth. You know, the, the myth, uh, the stories that they told each other, the, uh, they were part of the society, part of the civilization. They weren't just, you know, consumed and, 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 and just kind of like, you know, they weren't looked at as separate things. They weren't looked at as like, as as okay. Well, you have your little church prayer on Sunday, then you go to the movies on you know Saturday, and these are your only forms of kind of escape. These are your only you know alcohol is legal, so you're allowed to drink beer, and that's another escape that we can give you because, like Bill Hicks said, it's like it's 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 still it still makes you dumb. You know, it still keeps you you know doing the job that you don't want to do but it gives you a little bit of a break so it tricks you into thinking that you have like a real break 
But we do this with everything. We, we, you know, the way that our culture, the, the ideological framework of our culture is one of disconnection and disengagement and, and, and divisiveness and dependence, you know, the, the four D's disengagement, disinformation, uh, disconnectedness and divisiveness. And, you know, that's uh that's not good for people. You know, we do we 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 have this machine-like system that we put into place with everything and we expect human beings who are all unique. There's no one human being that's ever lived that's been identically the same as another human being. Every single person is special and 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 you know, truly unique. And so we should be honoring this. We should be honoring the dignity of the individual and respecting the primacy of, of their experience and their life and coming together on these things. You know, but we can't do that when there's a forceful, aggressive bully. When, there's, when people are hostile towards each other, we can't have it. You know, when we have authoritarian regimes, we can't have it. When we have religious institutions, we can't have it. It's only when we have a community of, of like-minded individuals that are voluntarily working together to accomplish, you know, to, 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 to live, to live a good life and to solve problems that affect them and their communities. You know, we're talking about policing and, and things like that and the crime rate and stuff. Well, you end the war on drugs. You stop treating people like criminals. You let people have the right to, to cognitive liberty. You, you allow people to have rights over their own body, over their own minds, over their own souls and their own consciousness. And you stop uh, using these, these police forces that treat everyone like a suspect and that look to um, you know, constantly uh, you know, make arrests and chase people down instead of actually looking at the root cause of the problem and try and police in a manner of threat management. But, but we can only have this when we have people that live in communities that care about the community. You have to know your your neighbor. We don't have that here. You know, we 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 live in this in this divide, in this great separation, where the other is is so other, but the other is us. And 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 these societies that lived in the past, these hunter gatherer pre Columbian societies, these tribalistic kind of societies that. That, that lived in small groups of people, they understood this. And they lived in, in what's called the, you know, a life of, they lived a very deeply spiritual life. Everything was spiritual. You know, get, getting their, their food was a spiritual sacrament because they had to hunt and kill, you know, the buffalo, say. And then they, they, would, they would pray and give respect, thank you to the creature that gave his life for this. And, You know, everything, we live in this, we like to think that everything is so separate and compartmentalized, but it's not. Everything is connected. Everything is connected. And where there's one, where there's one pit of, of destruction happening or where there's one, you know, forceful aggressor uh, threatening people, it, it affects all of us. You know, it's like one skew in the, in the data or one, 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 one little drop of poison in the well affects everybody.
you know, and this is this is just this this is a major problem in 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 our in our world. And I see this, you know, happening here because I live here. But, you know, when we look at politics and we we look at the all these things that are going on, there's there's never this sort of talk in it. There's no kind of Ram Das language. There's no Buddha language. There's no Christ language, especially from the conservatives who are so religious and so devout to to Catholicism. You know, if that were true, they would truly be following the words of, of Jesus Christ, you know, and leading that life. I mean, Jesus Christ was a great figure, a great teacher. But the, the myth to understand, the metaphor is the Christ is, is, is in you. And this is what Joseph Campbell says, you know, the, the Christ is born inside of you. That's how the, the the you have to be able to cultivate the 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 store the cultivate the Christ. You cultivate him with inside of you. You know all the the myths that these societies have lived by. Joseph Campbell says, you know these stories that they they tell. The traditions, they're all representative of what's going on inside of you. You got to slay the dragon in your own psyche. And this is why things have to happen on an individual level. And that's why I preach, you know, and, I, and I'm an advocate for psychedelics because they make you, they force you to take the inward journey. They force you to turn inward and look at yourself and your own psyche and your own flaws and your own fears. And, you know, Ernest Becker is another big influence in my way of thinking as well. He wrote the book, The Denial of Death. And a lot of it has to do with our fear. We're we're misunderstood. We we don't understand this world we live in. We we can't comprehend it, and we're afraid, and we're afraid of dying, and we're afraid of all these things. And our our dis our our disconnected world. We don't see death around. We don't cherish death. We don't we don't look at it in a realistic way. We're all gonna die. Everyone's gonna die. Everybody that you know, everything you ever knew, everything you ever seen, everything you ever were, everything you ever experienced is gonna be gone. And we don't know where that's gonna go. We don't know what's gonna happen. We just know that at one point, the one thing that we all share is that it all ends. But we do know that the species lives on. That life lives on. Everything lives, there's, there's a creative destruction that naturally happens and that's been naturally occurring. And so if, if, if there's any message to get from this, this, this show, this episode here, this solo rant cast, it's that we need to really be injecting compassion, empathy, love, care, and respect for every single person, even the people that come at us hostile and aggressive because disarming them with love and compassion and empathy is more effective than adding fuel to the fire. It's more effective than combating with aggression. Now, of course, if somebody's trying to kill you, I mean, you know, fight back. But I'm talking about in the battle of ideas, you know, find why does somebody believe something that they believe? Why are they saying the things that they're saying? Why are they shouting with anger and rage at the frustrations of a Trump presidency or the frustrations of, uh, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline thing or what? You know, whatever's going on in our world, 
people are, are upset and people want to see change. Okay, great. Let's come together and do that. But we have to understand where we're all coming from first. You know, communication is, is an extremely important thing. And, you know, I went to school. I, I started off, I majored in English. But I quickly switched because I decided I want to read the books that I want to read, not what they tell me to read. And I switched to communication because it looked like a degree that was um, – you know, fully encompassed a lot of different things. It was learning about psychology, learning about philosophy, learning about, you know, mass media, learning about journalism, writing, it had a lot of things. And people have a tendency to kind of knock that, you know, ah, communication degree. Okay, yeah, great. But that's the one thing that we really need in this world today. There's a lack of communication that's going on. We're not understanding each other. We have all these great devices. We have this this great technology. We have our phones and we have social media and we have all this stuff. But we're not listening to each other. We're not understanding each other. You know, and with all this information that gets thrown out there, I mean, it's so overwhelming. I mean, people are constantly asking me, did you have a chance to comment on this? Or what was your take on that? Or did you see this? I, I mean, sometimes I, I didn't see it. I mean, it's just too much. It's too much to stay on top of. It's too much to, to consume. And then, you know, everybody talking about fake news and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, who knows what's real and what's not? I mean, we're so disconnected from what's going on. And, you know, just talking about what Joseph, uh, getting back to um, another Joseph Campbell thing that he said was, you know, in the tribal societies, in the societies of the past, there was no, like, what war are we fighting? Who are we fighting? What's going on? Oh, uh, you know, what's what's happening? Uh, who's going who's running for president? No, it's none of those things. People knew because the society was you. You were the society. You were part of it. It was part of you. You lived in it. There was no disconnection. There was no, you know, there was there was no like uh, shadow of a doubt or disbelief. Everything that was happening to the community and to the society that you were living in was happening to you. You were a part of it and it was a part of you. And I believe that that's, that's what we need to get back to. And I believe that's, that's what will um, change the world for the better. You know, and I don't have, well, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm learning this stuff. I'm discovering this stuff. You know, I'm, I, I just feel passionate about it because, you know, I don't know, you know, call it immature, call it simple, call it childlike, whatever you want to call it, you know, make fun of me, I don't care. But I, you know, I love people, I love life, I love, I love living. And I just want to see everybody happy. And I just want to see everybody peaceful and successful and prosperous. And, and I just want to be able to contribute to making the best world that we can live in, you know, I mean, I just feel really passionate about that. I, I really do. And I think a large part of that was a large part of why I feel that way is because the world that I experienced under the influence of LSD for the first time, that what I was able to take away from that was there is hope. There is hope. There is a great, like I experienced a world, like, when I took LSD for the first time at the Coachella Music Festival, um, you know, six years ago or so, that was a catalyst for change in my way of thinking because it had cleansed the, it had cleansed all the cultural conditioning that I had been, 
you know, thrust up, that had been thrust upon me. And I always had this inner knowing that something was wrong and something was off and that there was more to life and that there was something different. And LSD confirmed that for me. It, it provided me with a tool to engage in that experience. It showed me that, you know, at this beautiful festival of music and celebrating life in the desert with the you know, with the palm trees and the mountains in the background and all the girls and guys, you know, frolicking around with smiles on their faces, enjoying this this wonderful music and this wonderful weekend that we were all there. It was just such an amazing feeling of of love and energy like I've never felt before in my entire life. And I thought, you know, if 300,000 people for three days can feel this way, yeah, sure. There, you know, that we were on LSD and we were, you know, on MDMA and all kinds of other things. But if we're able to get a peek into that world, and we're able to organize like this, and we're and things are able to run effectively and smoothly during this celebration of life and love, you know, why does it have to be just relegated to this one weekend? Why can't we do that all the time? Why? That's the question. Why can't we live that way all the time? You know, and I, I just, I, I think that we can. I think we can. I just think that we need to be, we need to remove the threat from the people who would wish to to make to to who would wish to have us not live that way, and that's really the problem is, is is the not accepting of other people's beliefs, not accepting of other people's um, cho- life choices and whatnot. And so this all relates back to, and I'll I'm going to be wrapping up in a, in just a second, but this all relates back to the idea of a a, a free and peaceful voluntary society. You know where we are living in a a decentralized uh, local community of people who know each other, know their families, you know, and we're living in in that world. Now, this might be the kind of world that you want to live in, and, and I want to live in, but maybe somebody else doesn't want to live in this world. Well, that's fine too. They can go and they can live in the world that fits their particular view of life. Not everybody has to share in this view. Not everybody has to have this view. But I have this view. And I think the overarching theme that we can agree on and the people who don't share this view is that everybody should have the freedom to engage in whatever kind of lifestyle that they wish to engage in and live in whichever kind of way they wish to live as long as those people aren't causing any harm to other people. And however you want to determine how you safeguard against that is is up to you. But everybody should have the 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 be treated with respect, and be treated in a way that allows for them to organize in the way in which they choose to organize, as long as they're not being violent and aggressive towards other people. And I think that's that's something that we can all find common ground upon. You know, and once again, I'll just say, you know, we live in this disconnected world where we don't know what's going on. And this overload of information is making things harder and harder to really know what is happening in our world. Who are we? What 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 is the who are these people that we put in charge of our government in? in who are these, quote unquote, tribal leaders of our society that are that are, you know, doing things on our behalf? What are they doing? Why are they doing them? Do Does it truly represent us? I don't think it does. And I don't think it has for a very, very long time. 
And I think human beings have been sold a false bill of goods to buy into a system that promised them a bright and shiny, gleamy future. Uh, but all we get is a, you know, a broken toy, never to be fixed. They promised something, you know, to dangle something in front of us and said, look, look, this is shiny, this is new, this is something that you could have. And then where did that go? What happened to that? Well, it never existed in the first place. You know, it was, it was a scam from the, from the get-go. But I think that we're smarter now. And, and an author that I hope to get on the podcast very soon, Daniel Pinchbeck, you know, talks about we are in this transformative stage of consciousness where we're evolving and, and you know, we are starting to actually realize, you know, we're, we're all consciousness experiencing itself from an individual perspective. I'm consciousness talking out of this mouth and, and I'm consciousness looking out of these eyes and so are you. And so we're, we're all experiencing life from these unique perspectives, from the perspective of a frog, of a human, of a tree, of a plant, of a star, of, of a, a piece of soil, whatever. Where it's, there's, it's all points of, of attention that are being, that, that, that are this one giant unifi unifying force of consciousness can then know itself from each point. You know, on one of my ayahuasca trips, I, I talked about how I experienced, I spent a night where it felt like a thousand years. I experienced life as a bug and as a tree and, you know, just I, I, as an animal and then finally as a human and then, or, and then as a human and then finally as a star in the sky. And I experienced what it's like to live from these perspectives and that is what consciousness is doing through us. It's through our opinions, through our wisdom that we acquire, through our readings, through our sharing, through our connecting and loving with each other, it's experiencing itself. It's knowing itself. It's knowing the rules of the game, the language of the, of the universe, the language of life, whatever that is, whatever this mystery that's beyond our comprehension is, we are living in it. And it's better to go with it than to go against it. And, you know, I think the, the I think it was the, the Hindus have the saying for it called the Brahman, you know, the God in everything. And so I think, you know, when you, and Ram Dass has preached this as well, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you look at the cashier, that the cashier, look at them as God. Because they are. And, you know, that might be kind of heavy to understand, but this is not something that is that you understand from me saying it. This is not something that you understand from going to school and reading a book. You know, so much of our of our learning we, we try to acquire from books, you know, book learning. But there's no, where's the experience? Where's the life? Where's the trial and error? Where's the failure? Where's the picking yourself up? Where's the getting into sticky situations and then getting out of them? And that's another thing. It's like we try and we fit this education system into this machine world and we shove all these, these kids in there like, like a bunch of prisoners. We force them against their will to wake up at ungodly hours when they're trying to, you know, their brains are still forming, their bodies are still forming, and we, we just shove all this nonsense into their heads. And then we mess the world up and we keep doing this cycle. It keeps going on and on and on in a cycle. we got to put an end to that cycle.
And this is the ultimate... This is the ultimate challenge. This isn't something to be taken lightly. And and to me, this is what makes the candle... What's that expression? Make the, it ma makes the candle worth the wax. This is the this is what this is what it's all about to me. You know, I just don't see the point of living in a world that is so so hostile and so ignorant and unconscious and problematic. It's it's not fun for me. It's not a it doesn't seem, you know, the the game the game isn't worth it, you know, to continue to to shut to shut off to all of the uh the realities of of what's actually happening. You know, I I I think you know, far too often people are conditioned to, to not have an opinion, to not speak out, to not speak their mind, to not tell the truth. You know what the truth is? We're all God. Everyone is. And we all want the same things in our lives. And we all want to feel like we're here and that we're here for a reason that, and that we, there's something that matters and that somebody loves us and that, and that we can love something and that we have something to believe in, that we have something to strive for. And we all want those things. Even the most, even the angriest person, you know, barring, you know, any kind of mental illness that would make somebody have like a chemical imbalance and, and, and therefore deranged and incapable of understanding this. But normal people, this is what we all want. And we try and fulfill these things with all the distractions that we have in our lives. And, you know, ultimately we wonder why things aren't going a certain way or whatnot. We always fail to look at the environment that we've that, that has been created for us to live in, and you know, changing the structure of that will have a ripple effect like no other. You know, if we start living in in agreement with our environment, in agreement with our nature, catering to what 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 makes us special. You know, encouraging and empowering others and ourselves to live in that way. Then we can. We can live better lives. You know, a lot of us live pretty good lives, especially here. You know, me and especially me in New York here. You know, I mean, I live. I could get whatever I want, whenever I want, you know, I mean, it's like, almost like, what am I complaining about, you know, you know, from an outside observer, they might say something like, well, what are you complaining about? I mean, you, you, you live a high standard of life. You're so privileged. Well, yeah, of course. But I don't look at things and say, you know, that, that, that's that famous uh, quote, right? That Robert F. Kennedy said, don't look at things and say, uh, why? Look at, look at it and say, why not? You know, don't look at the glass as being half empty look at it as half full you you have to don't look at things and say well it's pretty good and you know we're satisfied and you know the, move on you know no it's like it could be better it can be way better because i truly do i mean like i don't know i i just i just when people are suffering when people are angry when i see violence in the world when i see tension and hostility in the world in, in interactions that I have uh, daily or just, you know, in global events, it affects me. It hurts me. And um, I just want to see all, you know, humanity 
live up to the challenge of being better than this because I know that we are, you know, I know that we are. All right, it sounds like I'm running out of steam here, but, um, you know, I just say to people to, I guess, you know, just try and approach things with more compassion and more love and more understanding, you know, and, and I think that if you're, if your goal is to, you know, just always prove you're right, I mean, you're not really going to get anywhere, even if you are right, you know, which I feel like a lot of the times I'm right, but I'm I'm not trying to smash somebody else apart, you know, and, and, and I mean, maybe in the past I have, but, and, and, it's, and it's tempting, but I think the learning to understand each other is the most important thing. The learning to uh, live amongst each other in a, daily spiritual way in a way that we are interacting with the things that we care about and we love in our environment and we are making sure that we're taking care of those things and you know obviously I believe in in secession and decentralization in volunteerism and I think that we can accomplish those things you know if we uh if we set our mind to it all right well that was it I hope you guys enjoyed this little um random spontaneous thought quest journey of stream of consciousness ranting that I that I'm doing here if you do like it please let me know leave me a, a review on iTunes that helps the show out a lot and um, as much as I enjoy doing these things I think I'm gonna keep the show to to all different kinds of uh, of formats you know guests you know, I haven't played clips in a while, but I like to play clips and dissect them. But let me know what you like, what you enjoy, and, you know, if you get anything out of this. And uh, I know I've gotten some messages and some emails from some people, and, and uh, I appreciate those. And um, I, I also have a lot of people respond to the ayahuasca journey stories that I told. So maybe I'll tell some more stories uh, coming up in the future. I have a specific kind of storytelling segment that thing that I'll do because I think a lot of people enjoyed that but once again I'll just say thank you so much for tuning in and listening and thanks for just being a part of this thought process with me you know uh, I think one of the most important things is to have a dialogue an open dialogue with people so you know if you guys have ideas about some of the things that I said if there's if there's things that you want me to talk about more expand on more message me and let me know and, you know this isn't about me this is about all of us it's so just you know I want it to be as open uh, as possible you know you can message me anytime you can email me anytime I'll try and get to it when I can and and we'll make it happen and uh, look if you if you like it just uh, leave me a, a nice little rating and review and, and I really appreciate you guys from listening and share with your friends and uh, yeah and spread the message of uh, of love liberty and, uh, and peace and, and happiness and everything and all that good stuff I love you guys so much thank you again peace everyone <laughs>